Vigor Steve here. In this video, we're going to find out if carterine really causes cancer and what the best dose of carterine actually is based on the limited human clinical data and scientific evidence that's currently available. Carterine, also known as Endurable or DW501516 or DW1516 for short, is a synthetic agonist of the peroxisome proliferator activated receptor delta, which is impossible to pronounce. So let's abbreviate that to PPAR delta going forward. Oh, and before we continue, before you accuse me of being a serum goblin, carterine isn't a selective antigen receptor modulator, even though it might be classified as one, probably by the SARM goblins. There's no activity through the androgen receptor. Again, carterine activates the PPR delta. And carterine is not the only PPR delta agonist that's currently available. There's actually several different kinds that are currently undergoing human clinical trials, again, some of which have been discontinued, like carterine has. I'll put them on the screen. Um, unfortunately, the enhanced fitness community hasn't really caught on to any of these other alternative PPR delta agonists. And maybe that's because these are not really available on the gray area peptide or SARM websites, but maybe one point in time when more scientific evidence come to the forefront, we'll realize that carterine is a little bit obsolete and one of these new and improved medications might offer similar effects without the potential cancer risks. But again, the scientific evidence is extremely thin at this point. And since we can't acquire them anywhere online, let's just skip over them for now. The peroxisome proliferator activated receptors belong to a nuclear receptor superfamily, which controls genes involved in cell differentiation. They play a crucial role in controlling lipid and glucose metabolism, which regulates overall energy homeostasis. Three peroxisome proliferator activated receptors have been identified. The PPR alpha, the PPR beta or delta, which is what we're going to focus on in this video, and the PPR gamma, which telmosartan is a selective modulator of. But just please use telmosartan to control your blood pressure. Don't use it as a fat burner, even at 80 milligrams telmosartan per day. You will observe very poor fat loss if that. Unlike telmosartan, PPR delta agonists are known to actively accelerate metabolism, increase fatty acid beta oxidation in skeletal and cardiac muscle, improve insulin sensitivity, improve lipid parameters shown on blood work in animal models and human clinical data, reduce fat content of the liver and adipose tissue, and some are shown to improve physical performance in animal models, carterine included. Carterine was initially developed by GlaxoSmithKline in collaboration with Ligand Pharmaceuticals to treat hyperlipidemia, but even though the clinical trials, the human clinical trials showed very promising results, after several animal models showed that this compound can cause rapid cancer formation and progression in various organs, all further research was completely abandoned. But this hasn't deterred the enhanced fitness community from using carterine for its various performance enhancing effects at dosages far exceeding what has been investigated regarding safety and efficacy in the human clinical trials and follow-up human studies. Carterine isn't FDA approved in any parts of the world for any clinical application and it's also included in the World Anti-Doping Agency prohibited list so we know that it works. Carterine is mostly used to increase endurance and to improve fat loss during a cutting phase, but there are actually a boatload of additional beneficial effects. So let's have a look at all of the scientifically proven evidence-based positive effects of carterine. As always, I did all of the scientific research for you, so you don't have to, but if you still want to do some digging, all of the citations are down below, evidence-based with citations. Okay, 
Let's blast through this a little bit quickly because a lot of scientific evidence is overlapping. Stimulates fatty acid beta oxidation, promotes fat loss in a caloric deficit, increases endurance and stamina, improves insulin sensitivity, improves serum lipid parameters, raises HDL APOE A2 LPA-1 A2 ratio, lowers triglycerides, free fatty acids, APOB 100, APOB 48, LDL and VLDL levels in the bloodstream. Increases carnitine and uh, coenzyme CoA enzyme expression, so that increases the demand for supplemental oral or injectable carnitine. More on that later. Reverses metabolic abnormalities in obese and pre-diabetic patients, which is what uh, stems from the clinical trials. It has anti-inflammatory effects, both systemic as well as in the central nervous system, brain, lungs, kidneys, and liver. Cardarine has antioxidant effects, antihypertensive effects, cardiovascular protective effects, neuroprotective effects, anti-cancer effects. We'll address that when we get to the cancer studies. Protects cells against UVB-induced senescence, which results in reduced wrinkle formation and skin thickness. Improves wound healing and collagen synthesis in skin fibroblasts and eyes, most notably the corneas. Increases type 1 muscle fibers in trained mice. Again, that's an animal study. Uh, might prevent or resolve non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Might resolve cardiac fibrosis. Might protect against cardiovascular disease by preventing endothelial dysfunction and reduce arthrosclerotic plaque vulnerability. But there's also some scientific evidence that actually shows that cardarine might uh, cause arthrosclerosis. We'll get to that. Cardarine may offer treatment of subepithelial fibrosis during asthma. And interestingly, Cardarine increases matrix metalloproteinase 9, which contributes to IGF-1 binding protein 3 degradation and mediates IGF-1 receptor activation examined in ischemic skeletal muscle. So this causes augmented angiogenesis and skeletal muscle regeneration. Now, this is very interesting, right? Because some of us use IGF-1 LR3-DES or true pharmaceutical Increlex alongside our cardarine during the fat loss phase. So let's have a look at this study performed by Han et al. published in June 2023, titled Peroxisome Peripherator Activated Receptor Delta Activates Endothelial Progenitor Cells to Induce Angiomyogenesis Through Matrix Metalloproteinase 9 Mediated Insulin-Like Growth Factor 1 Paracrine Networks. Man, it's a mouthful. Long story short, uh, this study shows that PPR delta activation with cardarine in endothelial progenitor cells increases the MMP9 expression, which concurrently degrades IGF-1 binding protein 3, which obviously binds IGF-1 and the sole reason why modified IGF-1 peptides like IGF-1 uh, LR3 or IGF-1-DES exists. This degradation of IGF-1 binding protein 3 obviously frees up more IGF-1 and causes IGF-1 receptor activation. So if you're taking a growth hormone secretagogue or exogenous growth hormone or true pharmaceutical IGF-1 in the form of Increlex and your IGF-1 binding protein levels slowly but steadily go up to bind all of this free-flowing IGF-1 in the bloodstream, then maybe cardarine can bring those levels back down, and now you get increased activation of the IGF-1 receptors with a free-form IGF-1, which concurrently probably also means that this is one of the effects where the insulin-sensitizing benefits of cardarine are stemming from, right? Besides um, improving energy metabolism in skeletal and cardiac muscle, by increasing IGF-1 receptor activation, you also reduce the demands for insulin, whether that's endogenously produced or exogenously administered. 
because IGF-1 has an overlapping effect with the insulin receptors. So um, I would say that that's very promising. And again, if you go with exogenous increlects, which are known to increase IGF-1 binding protein 3 levels quite dramatically, albeit not super physiological as proven with my own postural blood work results, it makes very logical sense to supplement with a little bit of cardarine at dosages disclosed at a later point during this video to have an overlapping and synergistic effect with the IGF-1 present in your bloodstream and whether that is coming from exogenous sources or being stimulated in the liver from growth hormone or growth hormone secretagogues, that's entirely up to you. But if your IGF-1 binding protein levels are going high and it's binding up all of your IGF-1 and you don't get the effects that you want, maybe bring those levels down with a little bit of cardarine. We'll dive a little bit more into these beneficial effects a little bit later on when we get to the human clinical data. Keep in mind, please understand that a lot of these beneficial effects of cardarine have been extrapolated from the animal models and have not been verified with follow-up human studies. And those studies will probably never be performed because of the potential for cancer risks shown in the animal models in the middle of the clinical trials. And let's also look at the scientifically proven adverse effects of cardarine. Again, cancer formation and progression, but we'll get into that a little bit later. There's one study that shows that cardarine increases sphincomyelin synthase activity and sphincomyelin levels which offers potential arthrosclerosis risk. And another study that shows that cardarine inhibits platelet activation and adhesion offering potential bleeding risk. Now these last two studies are animal models and none of these uh, negative effects were observed in the human studies. But again, the human studies have not been performed as extensively as the animal models. A lot of scientific evidence has been coming out over the last couple of years ever since uh, the community started worrying and documenting this uh, cancer risk stemming from the animal models. And now we have 27 studies performed in the context of cardarine surrounding cancers that show either a positive or negative effect. So to make it easier for you guys, I did my due diligence reviewing all of the scientific literature which examined if cardarine had a positive or negative effect on cancer and grouped them as such. I did not include retracted studies as I'm assuming that those publications are no longer valid and we shouldn't base our conclusions whether cardarine is safe or not based on the four cancer studies which have faulty conclusions or results and thus have been removed from PubMed. Now, before we proceed, I have to say with 100% transparency and sincerity that I'm not very knowledgeable when it comes to cancers or the medical terminology involved to interpret cancer studies. Still, I did my absolute best to review all of the scientific evidence, summarize them, categorize them, whether they have pro-cancer effects or negative effects on can cancer progression, uh, but I'm not even going to try to attempt to pronounce some of these uh, medical terminologies. Everything is on the screen right now. All of the citations are down below. And I was able to find 19 studies which proved the pro-cancer effects of cardarine. In the animal models, they always used genetically modified mice who were more susceptible or predispositioned to develop cancers like breast cancer, colorectal cancer, or other kinds of cancers. In these studies, Cardarine was able to cause tumor and cancer formation and accelerated their growth within several weeks of treatment in various dosages. And in the commonly cited Hanwistarat study, they administered cardarine between 3 mg per kilogram of body weight up to 40 mg per kilogram of body weight for a total of 104 weeks in duration, which is over half their expected lifespan. So what do you think is going to happen when you take cardarine for over half your life, right? Some cancer or some abnormalities 
are to be expected. And that being said, calculating the human equivalent dosages based on body weight, using the body weight dosages from the animal models where cardarine was able to cause cancer or have a prolific effect on cancer progression, those dosages are not very far off in what we used in the enhanced fitness community to improve fat loss or stamina. So to clarify, the cancer-inducing dose of cardarine might be lower than the dose that fitness enthusiasts use for performance-enhancing benefits. And in order to calculate the human equivalent dose, I use an online calculator called DoseCal, which was developed by John Harvey et al. for a scientific publication titled DoseCal, a virtual calculator for dosage conversion between human and different animal species. Citation and link to DoseCal down below. And when we look at the investigated dosages of the genetically modified mice, at two milligrams per kilogram of body weight, Cardarine is already able to initiate biological processes which contribute to cancer formation or progression. And at the 10 milligram per kilogram of body weight group, cardarine causes cancer to grow. So anywhere between 2 milligrams to 10 milligrams per kilogram of body weight is already deleterious. And I believe that cardarine has been investigated in genetically modified mice up to 300 milligrams per kilogram of body weight daily so if we do the conversion for human beings between 50 kilograms to 120 kilograms of body weight you're left with a potentially cancer inducing dose of 8.11 milligrams up to 19.46 milligrams cardarine daily which is um, well far below what fitness enthusiasts generally use of course, um, you know, that's not the dose that has been investigated where cancer actually starts to form. That's the 10 milligram dose upwards. So if you're between 50 kilograms up to 120 kilograms, then that cardarine dose would be, let's say, 40.5 milligrams to 97.5 milligrams daily, which is a little bit higher. But again, uh, you know, I would play it conservatively and realize that at a low dose of cardarine, cancer might already start to form based on genetically modified mice who are more predispositioned and susceptible to develop cancers. And when we look at the hand whister rats, the dosages investigated of cardarine are between three milligrams to 40 milligrams kilogram body weight daily. And at three milligrams, uh, cancer already starts to form and grow. So that's between, uh, for a human, uh, between 50 to 120 kilograms body weight. That's between 24 and a half milligrams to uh, 58 and a half milligrams cardarine per day. And in various human cancer cell line in vitro studies, cardarine was shown to accelerate pre-existing cancer cell proliferation. So to translate that, if cancer cells are present in the body and you add cardarine in at various dosages for performance enhancing benefits, then this cancer will grow faster, actually a lot faster. But unfortunately, none of these in vitro studies used a control with otherwise healthy human cells to see if the cancer growing dose of cardarine can also induce cancer in, again, otherwise healthy cells, right? That hasn't been investigated. And interestingly, based on the last two studies listed, metformin and cannabidiolic acid, CBDA, might offer some anti-cancer effects alongside of cardarine in some human cancer cell lines. So now we already have two uh, cancer preventative methods if you decide to run cardarine at various dosages, which would otherwise cause 
cancer. And it is of note that many of these studies conclude that various peroxisome proliferator activated receptor delta antagonists, right, compounds that block the PPR delta, should be investigated to see if they can inhibit further cancer progression in cancers which are otherwise responsive to PPR delta activation by carterine. And they also note that cancer growth and progression might be inhibited through the PPR alpha or gamma. So further investigation needs to take place regarding the role of various agonists and antagonists when it comes to PPAR mediated cancer growth information or potential inhibition. Let's have a look at the eight studies showing anti-cancer effects. Again, the details are on the screen because uh, many of this is uh, basically unpronounceable. And to summarize these studies, cardarine is able to halt the progression of certain cancers and might even reverse cancer growth by promoting apoptosis. But unfortunately, again, none of these studies examined if cardarine can actually prevent cancer formation in otherwise healthy human cells. Now, between all of the scientific evidence that I just presented, there is some overlap in the human cancer cell lines where cardarine might cause or prevent cancer. So if you're as confused as I am, uh, don't be alarmed. It's very, very normal. But since I'm not knowledgeable enough on this particular subject to make an informed assessment, which of these studies are more valuable to determine if cardarine actually causes or prevents cancers in particular cancer cell lines or animal models, all I can say for now is that the evidence is inconclusive and that it appears that the dose is the poison. But if you want to extrapolate from the scientific evidence to figure out what the human equivalent dose is of cardarine where it has anti-cancer properties, based on the three animal models where they investigated genetically modified mice, it appears that 10 milligrams per kilogram of body weight of cardarine daily already has anti-cancer properties. And if you convert that to the human equivalent dose based on body weight, a human between 50 kilograms of body weight up to 120 kilograms of body weight, the anti-cancer dose of cardarine is anywhere between 40.5 milligrams up to 97.5 milligrams daily, which is significantly higher than the cancer-inducing dose, the cancer-growing dose, of cardarine based on other animal models. So if you're as confused as I am, don't take cardarine, obviously. Um, but if you're worried and you still want to take cardarine, just like you still wanted to take BPC-157 based on the previous deep dive, uh, then I would suggest you to do an ultrasound on all of your organs, maybe a full body MRI, do genetic analysis with 23andMe to see if you're genetically predispositioned for certain cancers. Otherwise, look into your family history, see if any family members developed cancer at later points in time and figure out what the root cause is so you can avoid that as well. And check your cancer markers every single year by doing your blood work before you decide to take cardarine for extended periods of time, right? Better safe than sorry. Now, if you're still interested in knowing more about cardarine, let's have a look at the clinical trials which investigated various dosages of cardarine regarding their safety and efficacy. Uh, unfortunately, based on the animal models, they decided to uh, terminate all clinical trials and further investigation of cardarine has been abandoned by the medical field. Still, the clinical trials are very, very promising, I'll tell you that. And in these clinical trials, cardarine was investigated as a medication to treat dyslipidemia in insulin resistance and obesity regarding its effects on body fat and inflammation, if cardarine was effective in improving high-density lipoprotein cholesterol levels 
and if it was safe to use in human subjects. All of these results are published and available for us to analyze, but the clinical trial to assess how the heart obtained and uses energy was unfortunately terminated after the animal model showed that cardarene accelerated cancer progression. And these results were never published, which again is very unfortunate because this is as close to a performance enhancing effect of cardarene as we're going to get. If you do happen to have the publication that goes along with this clinical trial, link it down below, I would love to read it. Now, to summarize all of the clinical trials, they use healthy human adults between 18 to 75 years old, investigated dosages of cardarene were between 2.5 milligrams, 5 milligrams, 10 milligrams daily for either two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, or 12 weeks in duration. In the human studies, there were no significant negative health effects observed, no significant changes in body weight or blood pressure, insulin levels, glucose levels, or HOMA score, which stands for homeostatic model assessment for insulin resistance. There were no significant changes in liver or muscle enzymes, that's the ALT and AST, or serum creatinine levels, and no instances of proteinuria were reported. So it seems that cardarene in humans, up to 10 milligrams daily for 12 weeks in duration, is generally well tolerated with minimal negative health effects, um, if any, to report. And I will confirm that with first-hand experience, anecdotally for myself and from all of the blood work that I've seen over the years from enhanced fitness enthusiasts running various dosages of cardarine for longer periods of time, let's say 20 milligrams daily, 30 milligrams daily, 60 milligrams daily, which is certainly not what I would recommend. I think 20 to 30 milligrams is more than enough to get the job done regarding fat loss and to improve your endurance. But there are these token outliers out there that run cardarene three times per day at 20 milligrams, right? I've seen all of the blood work results, including the cancer markers before and after, during, etc. cetera, uh, no observable changes. If anything, cardarene improves lipid parameters, but we'll get more into that a little bit later on. Again, this is anecdotal uh, reports over 10 to 12 years of me interpreting blood work results of myself and all of the clients. Keep in mind that the clinical trial dosages went up to 10 milligrams daily. So the results might vary a little bit based on the animal models or the cancer studies, which investigated much higher dosages for, well, up to 104 weeks in duration. Um, and maybe this is where the discrepancy lies, right? In the human subjects, up to 10 milligrams daily, it's shown to be safe based on these clinical trials. But in the animal models, um, the abuse of cardarine, right? The administered dose of cardarine was a little bit more excessive. Which again, if we calculate the human equivalent dose, those dosages come a lot closer to what we generally use in the fitness industry, right? 20 milligrams, 30 milligrams, or maybe even higher every single day. So with cardarine, it seems that a low dose is the way to go. And talking about a low dose of 10 milligrams daily, let's group all of the beneficial effects of cardarine, which were observed during the clinical trials, predominantly documented on serum lipid parameters. Cardarine treatment dramatically improved lipid parameters in obese individuals with dyslipidemia or patients with various metabolic syndromes. HDL increased up to 16.9% on average in the 10 milligram cardarine groups, although one trial in obese men observed no changes in HDL parameters. LDL reduced between 7.3% to 23% on average in the 10 milligram groups. Triglycerides reduced between 169 to 30% in the 10 milligram groups. Fasting insulin reduced by 11% in the 10 milligram groups and free fatty acids reduced by 20% on average amongst all dosing groups. So there appears to be a dose-dependent response on serum lipid parameters where the best effects are observed 
at 10 milligrams cardarine daily in as little as two weeks. So if your lipid parameters are terrible and you're not taking anabolic androgenic steroids and you're moderately obese or you identify as obese, maybe cardarine can improve your lipid parameters in as little as two weeks at 10 milligrams daily. And the clinical trials also reported that liver fat content reduced by 20% in moderately obese men after 10 milligrams cardarine daily for two weeks in duration. Looks very promising, I will tell you that. Now, there are some anecdotal reports that cardarine can improve HDL and lower LDL levels in steroid users, but I can't say that I've ever seen that play out in the real world. Not on my own blood work results, not on the blood work results that I've analyzed over the last couple of years of steroid users that added in cardarine towards the end of their cutting phase or contest prep. Keep in mind, steroid users um, use anabolic androgenic steroids that are terrible on lipid levels when they want to get lean, right? Trimbalone, Winstrol. So how much of a beneficial effect is there if you start adding in the cardarine? I can't really say because again, in real world, I haven't seen it to play out that way. But feel free to prove me wrong in the comment section. If you're on TRT or TRT+, or even if you use Winstrol in the past and you added in cardarine and your HDL went up and your LDL went down, let us know. I would like to know if there's anybody out there who experienced such a beneficial effect. So based on these clinical trials and understanding the limitations of lipid improvement in steroid users, I would say that the only logical practical application of 10 milligrams cardarine daily is as follows to mitigate potential insulin resistance caused by high dose growth hormone usage. When you take growth hormone or growth hormone secretagogues, it causes lipolysis, which increases free fatty acid concentrations in the bloodstream. And it's these free fatty acids that inhibit insulin receptor substrate one and prevent insulin from working, allowing GLUT4 to translocate to the cell membrane and starts absorbing nutrients, particularly glucose and thus uh, by inhibiting this effect the glucose cannot enter the cell skeletal muscle and slowly starts to circulate in the bloodstream increasing blood glucose levels so if you take growth hormone or growth hormone secretagogues and you're worried about insulin resistance then i feel that 10 milligrams cardarine daily should be able to mitigate these negative effects on insulin sensitivity again if it's good enough for obese individuals which have a lot of fat floating around in their bloodstream if you cause lipolysis by administering growth hormone or growth hormone secretagogues if free fatty acids can improve with 20% in the bloodstream, maybe this tips the needle from uh, being full-blown insulin resistant to having good insulin sensitivity, right? Things to think about based on the scientific evidence we have access to. And these human clinical trials are basically all we have to work with. I was able to find another human study performed by Park et al. published on August 1st, 2021. So that's uh, only four years old, give or take titled Cardarine GW501516 Effects on Improving Metabolic Syndrome. And this uh, human study basically confirms all of the results that we already know from the human clinical trials. They administered 10 milligrams cardarine daily for up to two weeks. And this study has very similar outcome regarding lipid parameters and liver fat content. Um, so uh, I'm not going to bore you in depth with the details. Basically, it just confirms what the clinical trials showed. So it appears that based on all the human data, the animal models and the in vitro studies, that the best dose of cardarine is not 20 milligrams to 30 milligrams before fasted cardio. And again, later in the day before your workouts, a total dose of 40 milligrams to 60 milligrams cardarine daily, because at these dosages, based on fancy calculations stemming from the mice and rat models, again, based on body weight, cardarine might cause cancer, but also inhibit cancer. 
very confusing. So let's just play it safe, dude. Based on the safety data coming from the human clinical trials and other human studies, I would say that the best and safest dose of cardarine is 10 milligrams daily for up to 12 weeks in duration. And increasing the dose beyond that just increases cancer risk. So why would you, if you have a boatload of other fat burners and metabolic modulators to choose from, and ultimately caloric restriction and increased energy expenditure kind of dictates how well your fat loss journey is going to be. And if you feel this risk is worth it to you and you did your cancer marker screening like a good juice monkey should, then make sure you supplement with a little bit of carnitine, either oral L-carnitine L-tartrate or injectable carnitine because cardarine increases fatty acid beta oxidation and depletes carnitine stores. So you need to supplement either with a thousand milligrams oral L-carnitine L-tartrate before fasted cardio and again later in the day before your workout, maybe sprinkle in another couple of servings of 500 milligrams in between meals. And if you're worried about TMAO and cardiovascular disease, you can actually check this marker over at Merrick Health and look into Allison garlic extract, which can inhibit TMAO formation or look into a cycle of doxycycline, which can kill the bacteria that produce TMA, uh, ultimately increasing TMAO production in the liver, right? Then otherwise there's always injectable carnitine, but you're going to have to inject like a real man does. 500 milligrams before fasted cardio alongside your 10 milligrams cardarine serving, more than enough, right? So this helps to sustain the fat loss that cardarine now initiates and injectable L-carnitine also has some nootropic properties. So I would lean more towards the injectable route. Okay, before we close off this video, let's have a look into the detection times and the half-life of cardarine, because I'm sure there's somebody out there that would like to use this as an endurance and stamina boosting performance enhancing drug, but it's still being subject to drug testing. So I did all of the scientific research analysis for you guys. Citations are down below regarding the detection times. It appears that there are two main metabolites, GW501516 sulfoxide and GW501516 sulfone. Both of these have very, very, very slow elimination rates. And unfortunately, through all of my research, I was not able to find a clearly established half-life of cardarine, right, the main molecule itself. But maybe we can extrapolate that from the scientific evidence nonetheless. This study by Sobolevsky et al. performed on October 2012, titled Detection of PPR Delta Agonist GW1516 and GW0742, right? another PPA Delta agonists, and their metabolites in human urine. This is probably the best study that we have to work with. This study shows that GW501516 sulfone was detectable for up to 40 days in human urine, and GW501516 sulfoxide was detectable for 25 days following a single, right? this is very important to understand, a single dose of 15 milligrams cardarine, which is a little bit higher than I just recommended, 10 milligrams cardarine daily. But keep in mind that up until this video, and I really don't think I'm going to change anybody's mind, people are still going to run 20 to 30 milligrams cardarine maybe once or twice daily instead of 10 milligrams daily for up to 12 weeks. Right? Generally, fitness enthusiasts that take cardarine take higher dosages for multiple days in succession. And because these uh, metabolites are detectable for such a long period of time, GW501516 sulfone and sulfoxide will slowly but steadily build up in the bloodstream. So even though on paper, based on the scientific evidence, it shows that the detection time is up to 40 days, in reality, it's much, much, much longer. Now, this paper also showed that GW501516 was only detectable for 72 hours 
in human urine. So based on this rate of clearance, using the cookie cutter calculation of five times the half-life to determine the clearance time, we can assume that cardarene has a half-life of approximately 14.4 hours in humans. But some online sources say that the half-life of cardarene is anywhere between 16 hours to 24 hours. But again, I couldn't find any clear scientific evidence to support these claims. Keep this in mind. Okay. I remember a very long time ago finding a publication uh, published sometimes in 2012 that cardarene metabolites were detectable for at least five months. <laughs> yes, five months in athletes who used high dosages of cardarene for multiple days or weeks in duration, but stopped five months prior to failing the doping test. Unfortunately, I can't find this study anywhere. So it might mean that the detection time is even longer, but based on this paper that I read, which I unfortunately can't find the citation of, so please don't go too hard on me in the comment section. Again, you're welcome to find this publication yourself and link it down below. Please, I beg you, I would love to read this one again. Um, basically, the athlete stopped five months before doing a doping test, but still failed based on the sulfone and sulfoxide metabolites. So I've always um, made sure that none of my athletes that were subject to drug testing back in the day um, used cardarine because it was detectable for, well, up to five months or maybe even longer. So if you're subject to drug testing, especially if that's random in or out of competition, then I would not use cardarine because it's detectable for very, very, very long time. And it also appears that cardarine can be detected in human hair. So if your human hair is being tested alongside urine samples, then, well, guess what? Uh, you're going to fail for sure, right? So again, before we close off this video, with cardarine, the dose is the poison. And even though 10 milligrams cardarine per day for up to 12 weeks in duration might be reasonably safe, based on the human clinical trials and the human studies that we have access to, cardarine might also accelerate cancer progression if cancer is already present and even cause cancer growth at higher dosages if you're genetically predispositioned to it. And if you want to make a dose cardarine anyway, just make sure you pick the right parents, which is of course easier said than done. Make sure you supplement with a little bit of carnitine alongside your cardarine because there's so many reports out there that cardarine at week four, six or eight magically stopped working and then increasing the dose, which ultimately increases cancer risk, didn't improve further fat loss. Um, but then they start supplementing with a little bit of carnitine, right? Oral L-carnitine, L-tartrate or injectable L-carnitine. And then the fat loss journey and the fat loss and the cutting phase slowly turns out to be a success anyway without increasing the dose, right? You need synergy between cardarine and carnitine. And please, for the life of you, don't combine cardarine with meldronate or carnitine with meldronate. Even though both are performance-enhancing drugs, increasing endurance and stamina, they have completely opposing mechanisms. Meldronate inhibits carnitine synthesis and shifts of uh, energy production to glucose exclusively. So you're going to have to make a choice. Is it cardarine with carnitine or meldronate? Not together, really. <laughs> if you want to with your mitochondria, just use DNP Bro. All right, let's wrap it up here. You can do your blood work over at Merrick Health if you live in the United States. Gorilla Mind has several over-the-counter supplements which can help you with your fat loss journey. All of the citations, again, are down below in case you want to use cardarine at 10 milligrams or maybe even higher if you're still not convinced, right? Additional research is always advised. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Vigor Steve. Vigorous crew, you guys know what to do. A frontal advisor for you guys. No cardarine in the picture here. I mean, after reading all of the scientific literature, um, I'm not entirely sure if I ever want to use it again. And since there's so many other metabolic modulators and fat burners as an alternative, 
Uh, maybe I'll just stick with uh, GLP ones, GIPs, glucagon, and five amino one MQ, and just rely on cardio and caloric restriction. So boring, but why risk cancer if there's alternatives on the menu? Thank you guys so much for watching, and I'll see you in the next one.